0: Coming to you from the Ultra Staff Studios in Chicago, welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network with your host, Bob Petke. Hello, my name is Bob Petke, and I want to welcome all of you to the first ever inaugural episode of the Staffing Buzz Network. Now, some of you may be wondering, what is the Staffing Buzz Network and who am I? Well, I'm Bob Petke. I'm the Chief Sales Officer here uh, for Ultra Staff Edge. We're a full service front office, back office ATS CRM staffing solution. And uh, collectively, we've decided that it'd be great if we can add to uh, the staffing community by having this podcast to share some very relevant, meaningful content uh, to the staffing community. As far as myself, after 15 years in the staffing industry, uh, I'm now on board as the chief sales officer here at Ultra Staff Edge, and we are excited to kick things off with our first ever episode of the Staffing Buzz Network. With that said, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, our very first guest, uh, part of making history, uh, Congressman, Congressman Nathaniel Moran. Congressman, good afternoon and welcome.
1: Hey, Bob Pecky. It's great to be with you on the Staffing Buzz Network. Um, I can't believe that I'm actually getting to be the, uh, the guest on the very first episode of what you're doing. So kudos to you for starting this up. I hope this ends up being something that's beneficial to those in the Staffing Network. We'll talk a little bit more about my background in that area, but, uh, but I'm just pleased to be with you. So uh, fire away with any questions you have and, and happy to talk about what's going on here in Congress.
0: No, perfect. And I'm glad you're here. And there's some reasons, you know, besides the fact that you're, you know, uh, in Congress and and you deal a lot with labor in in the community, uh, your local community, and even on a uh, national scope. Uh, Before we get started, Congressman, I'm going to go ahead and and give the folks listening a little bit of a a background or a history of who you are, uh, if that's okay. And if if I got anything wrong here, correct me at any point. So, you know, the way that I have this started, you know, you, you, you had a successful law practice uh, in, in, in Texas, and from 2005 to 2009, a civil servant uh, for the city council of Tyler, Texas. Uh, I do also have you down as uh, from 2016 to 2022, uh, that you were appointed and then elected as the Smith County Judge. And, uh, and during that time, and I don't have the exact dates, uh, you also uh, were part of this fraternity of staffing where you work with a couple of other folks in the industry and, uh, you know, you helped run a staffing company, you know, where you focused on light industrial uh, logistics staffing in Tyler, Texas. How am I doing so far?
1: So far, so good. Right, right on target. And, and really... You know, I think what I want folks to know about my background is uh, I've always felt called to serve in public service, and, and the question always has been when, where, and how should I serve. I uh, did that on a volunteer basis as part of the city council, as you mentioned, and then again, I recruited to do that as the county judge. In Texas, county judges are a little bit different. They're they're primarily administrative. They also, I also had a judicial function, but uh, primarily my role was to run the day-to-day functions of the county and to be the county budget officer uh, for the county and to preside over our commissioner's court, which is the governing body uh, of our county government. So that's the kind of thing that I enjoy doing. I told people often, really, I was a two things. I was a janitor. I cleaned up people's messes. Most of the time messes I didn't make. And that was a professional problem solver because every day you woke up to a new problem. You just had to work through it and solve it. But along the way, uh, as a lawyer, doing business, commercial, uh, transaction, and litigation work. I met a guy that was in the staffing uh, business and ended up being his lawyer. And then when he was ready to exit the business, uh, he invited me to to, uh, to buy that, that local franchise, which was uh, both in Texas and Louisiana. And uh, with a couple of good buddies from high school, we did that and enjoyed doing that for a number of years until I came to Congress.
0: So, right, let's talk a little bit about that. So, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with your backstory on, on that side of it. And, uh, you know, as much as you can or as much as you feel comfortable or want to share, talk a little bit about that partnership with those guys a little bit that got you to that point. Cause I know there were a few of you involved in that. And uh, if, if you could share a little bit of that story, cause there's other people in the industry. Uh, that probably have similar stories
1: yeah and the thing i would say about the the two guys that i was partners with in, in the staffing company world was uh they were friends that i've known since at least high school one of them goes back to kindergarten with me and we all had a different array of uh skills and together we had we had helped each other out over the years but the the real genius i guess the real um uh, benefit to the mix was we trusted one another and we 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 loved one another with that brotherly love sure. to be selfless because when I talk to uh, clients all the time as a as a business lawyer and folks would often come to me to set up a business or a new entity because they wanted to go into partnership with somebody or or have an entity with them uh, I would you know I caution them and say listen uh, you're gonna you're gonna be fine. Uh, you'll only have difficulty if you become really successful, or if things fail. Those are the two two times when you're going to have troubles with your with your partners. Because generally, if if you're not uh, trusting of one another and you don't act selflessly towards one another, then uh, the partnership or the business entity is going to, especially a close uh, close entity, is going to go awry. When when it goes, one of the only two ways it's going to go: either it's successful or it's not. So you you better pick your partners up front very carefully, and they better be as close as family, sometimes closer than family, in order you, for you to succeed. And and these two guys were that they were closer than brothers.
0: No, and and I'm familiar with with that, and it's it's really a very uh, unique story uh, in the sense that uh, you know from what I can gather, you've known these guys for years, right? And, um, and, and still maintain that relationship. You know, although out of staffing, you know, your world kind of changed here for you and your family. And I wanted to make sure that I touched on your family a little bit. Uh, You've got four school age children uh, and you've got your wife, Kina, uh, that uh, my numbers might not be right. Over 23 years of marriage. Is that right?
1: Uh, Luckily, I made it to 24. We're in the midst of 24. I'm going to have to update my bio, but uh, we married in 1999, and we've got kids from six all the way up to 18. My oldest two are both graduating seniors this year, so we're going to be left with a first and second grader and still have a while to, uh, to go before we get those guys up and grown, but loving every minute of it. We, we, you know, we love being a part of uh, our little White House community in East Texas, where I grew up. My kids go back to the same school that I was at many, many years ago, 35 years ago, Uh, had moved away and spent a lot of time away, but was glad to come back. And when I did, I recalled fondly why I love that area so much.
0: And so while you're in DC, she's holding down the fort.
1: She is. And, this and folks need to realize this too, as they get into business, because I know we're talking about really getting being in business and staying in business, no matter what you're doing in life, um, there's times when you're going to have to sacrifice. And especially when it comes to public service or service, generally service always comes with sacrifice It's a theme that I've been talking about this last week with veterans day, uh, recognizing that their service comes with sacrifice, not just for them, but for their families too. And, and for me, the service is something I love. I, I like coming to D.C. I like being involved in the problem solving up here. But the sacrifice is g- generally borne by those four kiddos home that are missing time with me and my wife, uh, who would prefer not to be a, a single parent at this point in, in our life, but would would like to see me every night at home. And I would like to be at home, but we know uh, right now uh, our family needs to sacrifice a little bit so that we can serve this country.
0: No, and, and I'm sure, you know, The people in your space and place in Texas, uh, along with the rest of us, are are thankful for that. So, um, again, you know, I I really want to spend a little bit more time talking about, you know, the staffing side of things and your experience in staffing, because, you know, there's a, you know, there's a saying that a lot of the folks and some of my colleagues past and present have when it comes to staffing. And it's the saying, if staffing were easy, anyone can do it. Uh, more specifically, and and I'm glad that you were able to share your story, how uh, you got into staffing, because, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, we don't necessarily choose staffing as staffing professionals. Somehow, some way, some way, some shape or form, staffing chooses us. Uh, And, you know, oftentimes it's, uh, you know, I can talk to owners and, and, and people that are in the staffing world now, and, you know, none of them played staffing. When they were little kids, uh, none of them studied staffing in college. Uh, it could be that they got into staffing because uh, they went and applied for a, a temp job and somebody saw something in them and said, Hey, why don't, you, why don't you come work for us instead? So to hear your stories just kind of solidifies, uh, you know, when I talk to different people that, you know, staffing somehow chose you based on that relationship you had with that, that owner who, who made that possible.
1: Yeah, and you just used the key word that I was thinking as you were talking um, for not just getting into staffing but actually being successful, and that is relationships. Uh, Relationships are extremely key. Uh, Once we uh, were in the staffing business, I think the only reason we were even successful is because of the depth of the relationships that we had in the community and the fact that we were willing to continue to work to maintain those relationships. Relationships don't just... uh, Happen overnight, and they don't stay. They don't stay close uh, unless you have ongoing dialogue about tough issues. I often said, as a county judge, I spent the first year and a half building relationships with the other twenty-plus elected officials in the county, so that then I could have the ability to tackle the tough problems. You cannot tackle tough problems uh, unless you have a pre-existing relationship, or not in a meaningful way. So, folks that. You know, folks that have a, a big client out there and they're they're thinking, well, uh, as long as I just let this sleeping dog lie, I'll be okay. No, that doesn't work because at some point you're going to have a tension. You're going to have a hard issue you got to work through. You're going to have a CBA to work through. You're going to have a, an injury that uh, all of a sudden, you know, kind of puts the, people at odds and you're going to have to have some tough conversations with your client if you have not been uh, cultivating that relationship on an ongoing basis and do not have some strong ties, that conversation does not generally go well. But if you already have a pre-existing relationship and a good ongoing close tie, when that tough time comes, you can have that tough relationship. You can work through it. You may still disagree, but you'll be able to work through it. That's the key, I think, to maintaining and building a strong strong, uh, staffing company.
0: No, absolutely. And, and, you know, besides the fact, you know, of your – you know, where your career has led you now that, you know, there is a segment in time uh, where you earned your stripes uh, and became, uh, you know, part of this fraternity that we call staffing. And, uh, you know, you hit a lot on, on some of the things that make staffing work. Uh, you, talk, you talked about, you know, being able to have relationships and real genuine relationships as, at that. Uh, I'm interested to know that from your time in staffing, Are there any takeaways that you had that you felt, you know, maybe positioned you for this next step as you, uh, you know, you're now representing, uh, you know, the folks uh, in Texas uh, as you go and serve in Washington? Are are there any things that any takeaways uh, that maybe you haven't mentioned yet?
1: Yeah, there's certainly uh, the knowledge of specific knowledge of, of a variety of businesses that has helped in Congress. I'm I'm the only Texas member of Congress that's on the education and the workforce committee that uniquely situates me to deal with workforce issues, to deal with, a issues, uh, to deal with uh, skill training issues that are that are uh, integrated into every staffing company every day. And because I was able to service a number of companies in a variety of regions in two different states for years through the staffing business, I already understood how some of these laws and regulations and overly burdensome taxation issues were impacting the ability of these companies to grow, to give back to their uh, to their employees, to provide benefits to their employees. I understood what the impact is. Uh, I'll come back to four issues in particular we've been dealing with on education workforce here in a second. But the other thing that I'll tell you, as part of my staffing experience that has helped me here, is I've never been one that wants to be idle. But owning a staffing company is twenty four seven work, and and it should be. And that prepared me for the work-life balance here in Congress. I remember one of the years that I owned a staffing company, I had, you know, we, we were going back into a kind of a ramp-up stage with one of our clients. And we had uh, an opportunity to, to redo shift times and, and uh, staff up during those shift times. But that required me to get up every morning at 2.30 to be on site by 3.30. And I remember for about five months, I was meeting groups at 3.30 and then again at 4.30 for training, and then again at 5.30 for another shift, and then again at 6.30 for some more training, and then I'd rush home, take my kids uh, to school, and then go uh, to work my normal day job for the rest sure. of the day. And after doing that for four or five months, I thought I was going to die because I was getting three or four hours of sleep a night. But what you figure out is you do whatever it takes to get the job done, to to be mission uh, cognizant of of everything that's important and to use every moment of your day as it comes to you. But on educational workforce, we you know we deal with stuff from the FTC, Lena Khan, and the Department of Labor, Julie Sue right now that that as it immediately affects uh, as it immediately comes to the to the table, you knew how, you know how it's going to affect businesses. Things like the joint employer rule that's trying to go through right now or uh, the, the push to dissolve the independent contractor relationship or, frankly, uh, the, the move by the Department of Labor to, to dissolve franchise agreements or to dissolve non-compete agreements. All four of those things are actively trying to get pushed through right now uh, through the administrative state. On the executive branch side, the Republicans in Congress are opposing that, both with the Department of Labor and with the FTC, pushing back, saying, no, 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 no. We know you want to rule make your way to laws, but that's going to crush businesses. And so we're trying to oppose that. It's, it's an ongoing opposition. But those four issues in particular, anybody that's been in staffing for two minutes knows that any one of those issues would crush the staffing business if it became permanent.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, locally here in the state of Illinois and New Jersey is probably about maybe eight to 12 months ahead of us. Uh, just some local legislation that they've recently are working on and, and trying to push through that um, somewhat handcuffs, uh, you know, the working world when it comes to temporary staffing and knowing that it's local. just I don't want to talk too much about it, um, but you've kind of highlighted some of those things where, uh, you know, there is, there's an advantage to using temp staffing. Sometimes it's a try before you buy opportunity and giving people a chance to, uh, you know, uh, do a go and attempt to hire role and and basically you know demonstrate, maybe with very little to no experience uh, that they've got the skills, the aptitude aptitude and desire to go and do the job. Um, but we're running into some issues here locally that they're working on, and I'm not sure if you have been made aware of some of those things, but it, it continues to be a challenge as a far as far as how people are paid where uh, they want people that have been vetted and that are within an organization for a full time. Uh, they're looking at the, the earnings of those folks, and and they're looking at the earnings of somebody entry level, maybe in a temp position, and trying to put them on a level playing field without giving them that per, that opportunity to, uh, you know, prove themselves.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not specifically aware of what's going on in, in Illinois, but or the Chicago area. I I've, I've been in touch with uh, some of my colleagues who used to work in the state legislature in California. We've got some of those on uh, judiciary and also on education workforce that uh, just say, look, the the stuff that was going on by Julie Sue out in California that she's trying to bring to the Department of Labor here uh, will be crushing to businesses. And what it it really is an attempt to do is uh, take away the right to work and to grow in the way that Americans uh, traditionally are used to, where their hard labor can can benefit them and their families. And if they're willing to work harder, they can make more money. They can take risks, make investments, buy businesses, in particular through franchises, or work as an independent contractor when maybe the employer-employee relationship doesn't work out quite as as good for them to be able to have the freedom that they need to do that. But what Julie Sue and the Department of Labor are trying to do is force everybody into an employer-employee relationship, uh, force those franchises to go away so that we you only have large national companies and it in essence what they're really trying to do uh, bob is force uh, the circumstances uh to the to a point where uh unionization becomes a lot easier which then flips the flips the coin on uh, leverage as far as uh what's driving the economy sure. and i you know i think some of this i know you're not asking me a labor question but but I'll just I'll let me just weigh in on this a little bit. We've been sure. seeing a lot of a lot of labor uh, contracts being renegotiated recently, and most people don't realize that. Let's just take the the auto unions, for instance. I mean, the 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 increase in the wages and the additional costs is going to be related to that is going to get passed down to one person, one person only, and that's the person that buys the vehicle at the end of the day. The cost of the vehicle is going to go way up because uh, these companies are still going to make profit. Uh, they're going to pass those additional costs on to the consumer, which drives inflation, which drives um, the uh, the cost of those vehicles, and which actually reduces the the ability of people that are struggling day-to-day to access those goods and services that are otherwise being produced by the, the folks on the line. So I want people to make a, a good fair wage, but, but uh, the free market should determine that. And uh, the free market is determining that in a lot of areas, uh, where then folks uh, benefit? I know in my particular uh, my particular business, the more I made, the more I paid my my uh, employees, and the more I was able to provide them benefits. That's the way it should work. But uh, when it's forced upon you, then the profitability goes down. Your ability to actually help your employees or provide service to your customers goes down.
0: No, no doubt about it you know and again you hit it on the head it's it's the consumer that's still going to consume and it's the company that's going to cons- uh, still make their profit it's that space in the middle where you know we're we're seeing some of the pains right now um you know with that said and you know being in Texas and I, and I don't want to get into you know some of the immigration issues but you know I want to address an issue that we see a lot in staffing and it's You know, it's undocumented workers. Uh, There are just so many of them right now. And, uh, you know, what I'm wondering, Congressman, is that, you know, from a federal point of view, uh, you know, what are you seeing as far as, you know, yourself and some of your colleagues, some of the members of Congress? Are there some things that you've seen that are coming up as far as, uh, you know, solutions or ways to address uh, the undocumented workforce.
1: Yeah, um, and a lot of this is is probably going to come further down the line once we get the the border secured, because the appetite here to actually engage in large, widespread, comprehensive immigration reform or uh, dealing with a worker status uh, is really a secondary to we got to fix the border. And uh, I think folks in the in the Northeast and in the North and the Midwest. Uh, Chicago, New York, everybody's starting to feel the pain now. I know I've, I've, I've heard even recently the the mayor of, of Chicago getting on, uh, on TV saying we need, we need help. We're getting overrun. Well, you know, if the city of Chicago is, is feeling bad about 75,000 immigrants, you ought to talk to uh, Brian Babin, who has, a, has a, um, uh, a colony that's formed in his rural East Texas county. That's mm-hmm. 75,000. Uh, undocumented migrants that have come over that have established uh, a huge colony in in rural East Texas, sure. and it's more than the population of the the remainder of the county. Well, you know, I'm, so I don't feel really that bad for folks in Chicago that that are complaining about seventy five thousand when uh, when we have millions in Texas that are uh, that are straining our systems left and right. Now let's get let's just talk generally about this. Is sure. There's some good legislation going on. I know Tony Gonzalez has a good bill called the Higher Act, which I'm which I'm on board with, which is a, a more narrow solution to uh, H-2A and H-2B visas to try to uh, provide for extended and a more extended stay. That's for unskilled and ag workers. There needs to be more that's done there. Um, it, the process is too difficult. We're not having enough babies in the United States to keep up with the workforce, let's just admit it. We're not. now I'm doing my part. Uh, I've got four. four, So I'm doing my part to, to uh, make sure that we have a, a, an adequate workforce, but we need skilled and, and known uh, laborers here uh, that, you know, from a variety of countries and we can do that appropriately. If we follow the rule of law, Uh, we can't just say uh, though, anybody can come on, come on in whenever they want to. None of us do that in our own homes, uh, none of us would allow that to happen uh, because then it would uh, it would dissolve the very thing that we're trying to preserve. And so uh, we've got to secure that border. We've got to know who's coming across for a variety of reasons. It's not just sovereignty, but it's national security issues as well. But there is, there is an appetite to create uh, the ability for uh, those folks here that uh, don't have the current right to work to allow them to work the, some of those folks that are that are here in, in a way that that would be um, uh, supportive of our economic needs and would be ma- matching their skill sets to what 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 the United States needs. That's always been the the reason behind legal immigration. So we need to do it in a legal way, but we need to uh, we need to honor the rule of law as we do that because a lot of folks that are trying to do it the right way, going through the process, they feel like they're the back of the line. They're the ones that ultimately get deported. So um, we don't need to do that. We need to make sure that those that are trying to do it legally are at the front of the line and we process those folks that we need.
0: No, and I appreciate your, your input on that because, you know, we are seeing, you know, really for the first time here, and it's really kind of reared itself, you know, front and center, uh, no matter what side of the aisle do you sit you know, especially when you're talking about Chicago and New York, and 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 some of the, uh, you know, the political heads there, the mayors of those appropriate cities, you know, they're they're uh, you know they're raising their hand saying, hey, listen, we've got ourselves an issue here. So uh, you know, f- no matter what side of of the aisle that you're on, uh, I, I'm interested to see, and and hopefully, you know, your colleagues and and a bunch of other folks that are in D.C. can can steer us in the right direction and get us where we need to be you know, when it comes to, you know, those issues at hand.
1: Yeah. And here's, here's the, the concluding thought on that issue is I tell every one of my my chambers, every one of my business uh, folks that talks to me about the need for additional workforce and immigration reform. And I say, Look, if if it's really that important to you, then help us get border security passed because politically speaking and practically speaking, we are not going to take up any comprehensive immigration matters or comprehensive right to work matters at all until uh, we get border security done. Border security is of, of, of the utmost importance. And so if if people want to get to part B, they got to help us get part A done. And right now we're not seeing enough help in that regard.
0: Absolutely. No, thanks for that. And you know, what I'll do is I'll switch gears here a little bit and, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about some things closer to home. Uh, but, you know, a former colleague, And Fox News contributor uh, Joni Biley said last week, uh, you know, that there are signs uh, that there's going to be strength in the economy and jobs when it comes to transportation, logistics. Uh, We're seeing a bump in manufacturing and construction jobs. You know, what what are you seeing? You know, let's start out with, you know, the folks of East Texas and in your area. You know, what are we seeing uh, as far as, you know, how that all consolidates? And, and, and more specifically, what are some of your colleagues in Congress seeing in, in their respective uh, labor markets?
1: Well, um, I, I'm glad Joni has that, that positive outlook. I, I hope that's the case. We're, I'm seeing a little bit, little bit different take in, in East Texas, and I'm hearing this differently a little bit from my colleagues, because what we're seeing is a slowing in the housing market, of course. Okay. And that's driven by uh, high interest rates. Uh, with banks when i talk to bankers uh, lending for both commercial and for uh consumer lending is is way down it's it's a lot harder to um uh to find loans to to make because people don't want to pay the high interest rates as a result Uh, there's a a bigger market now for rental homes which are they're they're not out there Uh, and even the rental homes or the the prices for those rental homes are, are through the roof so there's, there's a an affordable housing issue that we're seeing in East Texas. And that slow in residential housing is actually uh, trickling down to, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, the manufacturing industrial base as well because a lot of it's tied into that. And so there's some of that manufacturing is slowing down as well. And I think folks are a little bit um, uneasy about uh, presidential election year next year. So there's there's caution Uh, About not just the world affairs that are going on and how that's going to impact the dollar, the value of the the dollar and the stock market, but it's also going to, you know, they're worried about a little recession next year. So everybody's sitting back just a little bit on production, on investment, uh, on new projects. That's what I'm hearing from folks back home. Sure. Now that provides opportunity for folks that are willing to get in that space. And certainly, I do agree with uh, Joni that when it comes to transportation and logistics, I think there's there's a lot of a um, lot of opportunity there presently, because of the um, the lack of skilled drivers and the lack of uh, transportation opportunities for, and the, frankly, the cost of transportation of products is high across the Amer- uh, across America. So, you know, if, if there's new investment in that area or new opportunities in that area. Um, I'd say now's a good time to get into that necessarily. Uh, and I do agree with Joni on that.
0: Great. Thanks on that. I'm going to switch, switch it up again here a little bit. You know, after, a, a, a the best way I'll, 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 put it. Congressman is after a few hiccups, um, uh, your friend and colleague, uh, Mike Johnson was named speaker of the house. And, uh, in, in a recent post that you shared, uh, you said, you know, Mike is the speaker that we need to get our country back on track and deliver results for the American people. I'd love if you could share, maybe, and expound a little bit more on why you feel uh, that Mike Johnson's the guy. Yeah, and
1: and with this question, I'll have to I'll have to kind of conclude. I've got uh, my next set of meetings coming up, but. Here's what I'll tell you, Bob. And it's been a great pleasure to be with you, by the way. Again, I can't can't believe I, I got to be your first episode. But the thing about Mike Johnson is he's authentic and he's uh, he's value based. You may disagree with him, and uh, we've had disagreements already in the first three weeks of his tenure. But um, but he's a man you can trust as far as his word goes. Uh, he's he's always been a man true to his principles. I think he's gotten a bad rap already in the in the press, but. We, you know, we kind of find it hilarious here in, in Congress that that the, the the national media is always looking for they're always looking for something either negative or crazy to report about somebody because that's what stirs emotion, that's what stirs anger, that's what that's what drives ratings for them. And so I understand that they have to do that to try to uh, drive their viewership. But the truth is, when you talk to Mike, he's a down-to-earth guy. Uh, as I said, he's authentic. He's uh, he's honest. Uh, he is driven by his conservative uh, principles, and he's staying true to those principles. His his position now, though, is and you have to imagine this: uh, his position now is not just to be one of 435, but it is to lead those 400. Well, to lead those 435, and ostensibly, at the very least, lead the 221 Republicans in uh, what they're supposed to do, and uh, herding, it's like herding cats, because we got 221 different opinions, all strong personalities, uh, all re- trying to represent their differently shaded district, and uh, shade by different shades of red is what I say, and his, um, no matter who you put in that spot, you're still going to have the same differences of a policy opinion, you're still going to have the same personalities that were causing trouble before, and so he's he's in the same um, muck in the mire that McCarthy had to be in to try to get stuff done. It's not easy. It's not perfect. Legislation's not perfect. So I'd say give give Mike Johnson a chance because you're going to find he is a, a very good man. He's the kind of man you'd want. Um, you'd want to live next door to. And he's the kind of man you'd want to lead this country.
0: Congressman Moran, thank you so much for your time today. When you see the speaker, let him know he is welcome anytime on the Staffing Buzz Network, uh, and, and share that with your colleagues. And again, uh, thank you for your for your expertise and and, and your uh, your share today. It was really great to have you as our first inaugural guest.
1: My pleasure, Bob Pecky. Have a wonderful uh, autumn season, and uh, we will uh, hopefully
0: talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds great, my friend. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, everybody, that was Congressman Nathaniel Moran. He's from the 1st District in Texas. So, uh, you know, some good input there on uh, the labor market, uh, some of the things that we're seeing as far as legislation that's currently happening in D.C., uh, and really good to get his uh, take on, you know, being a staffing guy, being part of that staffing fraternity. Uh, just really good to have him on as our guest. So, you um, you know, a couple of different things here as we start to conclude here today. Uh, You know, I just want to thank you all for joining us and listening. and And by all means, you know, this is our first one, and, and we're just c- going to expound and 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 build upon what we have here. So, uh, make sure if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe and tell your staffing pals to join us uh, on whatever their favorite uh, podcast platform might be. And also. You know if you want to learn about automated business designs and more specifically um our ultra staff edge front office back office uh ats crm uh full-fledged solution um by all means uh be sure to uh look at our screen here that i'm going to pull up next and uh you can contact me um, by phone or by email um or go ahead and check out our website but uh Thank you, everyone, for joining. And until next time, I'm Bob Petke here on the Staffing Buzz Network.